Hi everyone, welcome back to another podcast. Today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by James Frost. James Frost is the creator of the Phoenix Bar, a completely nourishing food bar to solve world hunger. James is currently in his third year at the University of Exeter reading economics and has had a long-held interest in nutrition, health and fitness, largely to support his participation in rugby. Whilst researching the subject of nutrition, James realised that there was a widespread need for a product like the Phoenix Bar and has been developing this exciting project for over two years. James, thank you so much for coming on. Can you explain to our listeners how this initiative came about? Yeah, of course. So it was about three years ago. I was uh, scrolling through my Facebook feed, as, uh, as you do, uh, and I came across um, a couple of friends undertaking uh, what's called the, the ration challenge. It was basically uh, for charity, they were eating the same uh, rations that refugees were eating over a week's period. And they were posting photos of it on their Facebook feed. And I was just from a basic understanding of nutrition um, and health and fitness through um, a youth career playing rugby. uh, I quickly realized that these rations weren't very nutritious at all. So I did some investigating um, into what food sources were provided to people suffering food insecurity and malnutrition. And I quickly found that uh, this was quite common that people were provided with rations of low nutritional value. So then I looked looked into the the problem of food insecurity more. It's obviously an ever-increasing issue due to a, a number of reasons. Uh, And I I came up with the idea of a fully nourishing food bar that if it was consumed uh, four times a day, it would meet all of the nutritional criteria set by the World Health Organization so that it could be provided to those experiencing food insecurity, whether that's due to emergency or disaster relief or just due to being unable to afford food, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that's where it, so the idea came about. Amazing. And so you mentioned that there is obviously a few kind of causes of food insecurity. Can you, can you just touch on that for a moment? Yeah, of course. Well, so probably the biggest one at the moment uh, and, and the most topical is climate change is uh, obviously increasingly worsening issue. And there's an increasing number of natural disasters and about 80% of the people suffering food insecurity live in countries uh, commonly affected by natural disasters. So these natural disasters uh, provide droughts, famines, etc., which uh, create huge issues. And obviously this problem is expecting to worsen, leading to the problem of food insecurity, probably liking, likening to worsen as well. Uh, but actually, interestingly, the biggest cause of uh, food insecurity is political conflicts. So just whether that's due to wars leading to sort of more refugees and displaced persons. I mean, there's quite a good example at the moment in Afghanistan and the sort of issues that it's caused by food insecurity there. Poverty is obviously a big one as well. An increasing inequality in the world is leading to people sort of not being able to afford the necessary food. Um, and food waste as well, it, we're becoming an increasingly sort of wasteful society. And actually, all the food that we do produce in the world should be enough to uh, feed the increasingly large population that we have two times over. But we're being uh, incredibly wasteful at the moment. So there, so there are obviously a huge amount of kind of causes to this, and, and Phoenix Bar attempts to solve these problems. What 
is kind of the total addressable market and how could the bar or this venture and startup at the moment be? So it's about 2.37 billion, so almost one in three people uh, are suffering moderate to severe food insecurity. Uh, and then that's increased by about 70% over the last four years. So it, in terms of, it's obviously an increasingly growing figure, but at the same time, sort of food aid and ration agencies aren't um, sort of supplying that demand. Um, so the World Health, sorry, the World Food Programme is the largest provider of humanitarian aid, and they spend about 2.37 billion uh, US dollars uh, last year on food aid and rations, uh, which is up from 2.18 billion in 2018, so quite a substantial increase. Uh, as well, the US is sort of the largest donor by country of about 4.37 uh, billion US dollars. So there's obviously quite a large sort of demand from countries and uh, aid agencies to sort of solve the issue. But despite the increasing expenditure, the problem's uh, still worsening. So a new sort of solution is required. Again, so just jumping back a little bit, so from from when you're on Facebook and um, kind of scrolling through your feed, where has this venture gone so far and, and, and what stage is the venture at currently? So we, we initially reached, so after I came up with the idea, we initially reached out to uh, universities uh, and about 27 universities in the UK to sort of seek um, advice, guidance, uh, and possibly a research collaboration to help develop the products. Uh, I'm, I'm an economics student, uh, and I don't have a ridiculous sort of understanding of bioscience. But um, unfortunately, due to various reasons, all of these universities were unable to, unable to help. So I, I quickly realized that I had to develop the prototype uh, by myself. Uh, so that took about three years. There was obviously quite a few um, stringent criteria for a product that, ha that has to be met. There's about 26 different micronutrient requirements uh, set by the World Health Organization. So in about June of this year, I came across um, that through various uh, sort of um, experimenting and trying different ingredients and, and different sort of quantities of these ingredients. So we created, I initially created the prototype this summer and so far it's been distributed to three homeless charities in Exeter, which is one of the top 25, has one of the top 25 sort of homelessness, highest homelessnesses um, in the UK. So that we've, we've distributed a prototype, we have the prototype, but there's, there's still more sort of research and development that needs to be undertaken. So we're currently liaising with food science and technology companies um, for a, a research collaboration where the, 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 there's a few aspects of the products we're looking to increase to make it sort of more suitable for um, as a food aid and ration. So we're looking at things like shelf life extension. So we'd like to get the shelf life to up to about two years, which would mean that in years of good harvest, um, in these countries that we'd be able to um, basically store, use the crops to make more Phoenix bars, even though that there might, might not be enough demand. So that in years where uh, crops are affected by natural disasters, that there is already sort of a surplus stored. So that's quite an important aspect to it. Um, making the products be able to survive in hot climates. Obviously a lot of 
areas, um, top two areas where food insecurity occurs is sub-Saharan Africa and Asia. So obviously has a slightly different climate to what we're experiencing in the UK. And thus the product has to meet requirements of being able to be stored at about 30 degrees Celsius uh, and survive um, humidity levels of about 65%. Uh, then obviously the, the product at the moment is fully nourishing and fully sustainable, but we'd probably look to also increase the, decrease the cost of ingredients to make it sort of um, more sellable en masse to aid agencies and with all this r&d and supply chains for those 26 micronutrients how are you going about meeting your esg goals so esg is obviously something something that is really important uh, and there's an increasingly demand for sort of esg companies so we're currently um investigating uh, esg certification as a, a pure player company which is the highest sort of esg criteria that a company can meet uh, and the project itself is obviously um, uh, it, the underpinning nature of it is um, philanthropy. So, and one of the big issues that we're suffering, not, not a big issue, but we're currently looking into sort of funding opportunities at the moment. Uh, and uh, companies uh, have an increasing demand to sort of fund ESG companies. So we're looking to sort of gain ESG certification to explore those funding opportunities. And how are you going about uh, those funding opportunities? Have you got kind of a list of uh, VC firms or, you know, certain LPs? So, uh, yeah, we're currently liaising with uh, philanthropic uh, individuals who look to fund a project such as this. It is definitely on my agenda to explore government grants and uh, grants given by firms. But at this stage, uh, those are quite um, time consuming uh, with regards to how long it takes them to sort of decide on the process. And over the last few months, we've experienced a, a lot of momentum and had a lot of interest through, uh, for instance, my, the University Alumni Network. We've had quite a few individuals reach out. And uh, we're currently exploring those avenues, but uh, at a later date, I'd also consider others. I'm interested as to why this hasn't been done before. Yeah, it's a question I get asked a lot, actually. Um, uh, and obviously, with any sort of uh, entrepreneurial venture, it, it probably does seem a bit more, uh, in hindsight, like it was obvious. Uh, but uh, I, the, the way I sort of have been thinking about it is the sort of increase in research in sort of the bad effects of malnutrition um, has uh, really sort of dramatically increased over the last few years. And initially, I think uh, governments and aid agencies thought that it was just meeting as long as they met the relevant calorie requirements that they would be doing enough to sort of prevent food insecurity. But uh, recently it's, it's been found, for instance, the World Food Programme published a stat whereby a $1 investment in nutrition would lead up to a $35 uh, return in uh, investment through things like productivity, education uh, and health benefits further down the line. So uh, increasing research, uh, the world's obviously um, moving towards more of the sort of ESG um, ethical routes uh, and probably improvements in technology as well 
um, have allowed for something like this to be created. And obviously, given you're 21 and, you know, in last year of uni and you've done this for three years now, what are the biggest challenges that you faced? But also, what, what tips and tricks would you give to young entrepreneurs such as you know, yourself? Yeah, I, I'd say the, the, the challenge for attaining funding is, uh, has been interesting. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's obviously quite a common thing that small... Um, SMEs currently face uh, and especially it's been worsening due to COVID it's really constrained a lot of of the government's um, expenditure and other companies sort of expenditure on uh, philanthropic ideas Um, but uh, I think the biggest advice I'd say is just patience and persistence Uh, I've obviously sort of been working on this project for about three years um, and there was a lot of times where I had to take a, a break or and came back to it and uh, hit a bit of a wall. But um, yeah, this summer we had a, a really good breakthrough and I, all I could just encourage is sort of persistence and stay at it. Um, and probably from a student side of view, point of view, I'd say that focusing on your academics is also quite important. I think it's quite easy to sort of get caught up in the project, but um, it also focus on getting your degree first and foremost. Uh, you have a lot of time after university for pursuing your uh, sort of other endeavors um mm. and also also get a good balance um enjoy the social side of things uh, don't take yourselves too seriously um and enjoy your university experience what i find quite interesting is when you know when you said you hit these walls and you and you have to take a break and you have to come back to it etc this is due to a multitude of reasons but is this because there are any kind of competitors out there stealing market share or, or going after you in any, any sense? And if so, what are they like and what kind of competitors are they? Uh, so from a competitor's point of view, uh, obviously mentioned before that the, the sort of food aid and rations being provided. Uh, and they're, one of the big issues with them, first and foremost, is that they're currently being sourced from outside of, of these countries. So... For instance, the U.S. will purchase a surplus of uh, harvests from their own country and look to export it. So even as a sort of short term solution that these crops would be being able to provide people food uh, in the long term, it's causing a lot of problems economically in these areas with their own farmers not being able to provide people with food and not meeting the sort of the core issue of why people are often suffering food insecurity, which is having a stable source of income. Uh, these, these products also have an issue of uh, cultural appropriation. It uh, is extremely important with regards to people's dietary requirements. They are, people sometimes are giving food aid rations that they've just never seen before. And they often just even, it, it's a bit of a, a stigma uh, not a stigma it's a bit of a stereotype that hungry people sort of eat whatever's given to them they actually do need to sort of have an idea of what food that they're being provided and that's an important thing as well but there's there's currently in the market there's no um fully nourishing and fully sustainable product out there um and the fully sustainable aspect to it is obviously very important considering if this product is going to be mass produced to, to those suffering food insecurity, the products really can't have a burden on the environment. So that's why we've gone for sort of fully vegan uh, ingredients and organically and ethically sourced ingredients as well as packaging. But uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, high energy bars that 
have a lot of calories in them, but not a lot of nutrition uh, currently on meeting the demand. Amazing. So can you, can you tell uh, our listeners about where you see the Phoenix Bar in the future and, and, and your main competitive advantage? So we're looking at obviously selling the product to aid agencies and governments and charitable organizations to distribute it to those suffering food insecurity, um, particularly from emergency relief and disaster relief scenarios, because that's where the product really has a lot of its characteristics made for with regards to the shelf life of the products, the uh, ability of the product to survive in hot climates, uh, etc. Uh, so that's the main one, but one of the one of the big big benefits of the Phoenix Bar is, uh, and I touched upon it um, <laughs> earlier, uh, that we're looking to have make the products at a later stage have a substitutable ingredient formula, so that not the Phoenix Bar wouldn't just have one recipe, and uh, depending on what country it's produced in and what country the crop, predom- what crops predominantly grow in these countries we would be able to sort of manufacture that into the Phoenix bar without losing any of its nutritional value. So this would have quite a few significant benefits, uh, namely the fact that it would provide people in countries often suffering food insecurity uh, with jobs. Uh, So it would provide them with a source of income so that they would look to actually be able to break the poverty cycle uh, and then therefore hopefully break food insecurity in the long term. Uh, so it would be, and this would also provide the benefits of logistical efficiency. So having it produced in countries affected by natural disaster obviously would decrease the CO2 emissions by having it more sort of locally sourced. Uh, as well, it would uh, increase the cultural uptake of the products. Uh, so as again, as I touched upon earlier, people like to eat foods that, that they know and that they're used to. So this would obviously help with the actual eating of the rations as well. You know, one one of the reasons why I'm, you know, more than happy to kind of speak to you is because you're an extra, you know, you know, an extra boy, young entrepreneur, ambitious, etc. So, to all our listeners, whether people our age or kind of philanthropic angel investors or or the government even listening, uh, yeah, how how can they get involved? No, so we are we are speaking with with the government, but um, Ben Bradshaw, our local MP in Exeter, is we're currently in discussions with him and. He's been speaking to the Foreign Office. Um, obviously, there's a bit of a backlog at the moment, and the, all the MPs are quite busy with with the COVID situation. But I, I think getting a government sort of help would be a huge, hugely beneficial. Um, so Ben Bradshaw, if you are listening, hello. Um, so with currently coming back to the funding, I, I've had it wasn't my sort of initial thoughts to go down, but I've had enormous support from uh, friends and family regarding this venture. So we've actually, it's becoming more and more common that SMEs have sort of established crowdfunding pages to look to help fund uh, their business. So we've set up a crowdfunding page uh, and the, that, the link to that is, is on my website. And we've currently raised £4,300 um, with a target of £7,500 to fund, help fund the next stages of research and development, which will take the products to market for mass production. Um, so obviously have a look into that that would be fantastic um, or you can contact uh, the company directly on, on our website uh, www.flaming-phoenix.co.uk um, yeah just one of the big things at the moment is we're looking for letters of intent from aid agencies 
uh, governments, etc., that state that uh, nothing contractually obliging, but just state that they would be interested in a product such as this after it's been sort of refined. So if anyone has any contacts in, in those sort of directions, again, feel free to get in touch. And we're currently looking to grow our social media platforms as well. So we've got all of our links to that on our on our website so it would be great if anyone who's interested could, could give us a follow amazing i think that's a that's a perfect note to end off on thank you so much